It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, welcome to episode 20, the Barry Sanders edition of the podcast. This guy was an absolute weapon for the Detroit Lions in the 90s. When he retired, he had the third most rushing yards in NFL history, leading the league in rushing a whopping four times. Unfortunately, he abruptly hung up the cleats after 10 seasons when he was miserable playing. I don't blame him. Miserable playing for the horrific Detroit uh, Lions. He requested a trade. They denied that request, so he just finished his career. What an absolute butron Barry Sanders was for sure. By the way, uh, Steve Domini, who was on episode 18, asked what I will do when, uh, with the athlete numbers bit every episode once I get to episode 100. Well, <laughs> who the hell knows? I have no idea. But let's just get there. Only just just 80 left to go, of course, on that one, which means it's the second milestone episode that now that we've reached 20 episodes, and just like when it was on episode 10, it still doesn't matter. Milestones are pointless, and they serve no purpose at all. They're just a nice round number. So no celebrations will be happening for this uh, episode of the H-Dog Pod. I will celebrate, however, having on my next guest for the podcast, myself and my two buddies, Two Mom and Scully, had her on four times on my previous pod, the Going for Broke podcast, and it's the first time I'm getting her on this one. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome on Katie Caldwell, who I worked with. At TSN on That's Hockey Tonight. She was also with the NHL Network at Sirius XM Radio and worked for the Nashville Predators organization. In addition, Katie has hosted Puck Talks Live. Welcome to the H-Dog Pod, Katie. You didn't want to include that I'm one of your dearest friends, Hound Dog? Get real. Oh, damn. I think I slipped. Uh, I dropped the ball on that one, eh? I, I you apologize buried the lead, man. <laughs> I apologize profusely on that. Uh, so I mentioned all those cool places you worked. Let's dive right into it. Talk about your interesting career path. Oh, we're getting into it, right into it. Into the nitty gritty, okay. let's go. <laughs> um, so I started interning at TSN when we had the absolute pleasure of meeting uh, <laughs> while I was still in school. And from there, that's when I went to SiriusXM. And my time there was pretty short because I actually found out I was sick the day after I started. Oh, geez. That's so, brutal. Yeah, I know the timing of that is super crazy, but it kind of ties in with everything because there's a distinct gap of when I just wasn't really doing anything. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, oh, God, I loved it there. And then I moved down to Nashville from there. And then... I was gently deported, as I like to say, back to Canada, because it sounds a little cuter than my visa expired. But yeah, and then I came back to Canada, and I had a pretty wicked setup because I came back to my little hometown just out of, I had nowhere else to go. It was kind of a weird visa situation where the Preds were trying to hire me full time, and we were trying to get the visa paperwork to go through. And it was a bit of a nightmare. Just anybody who's dealt with visa things, it's... Not the easiest thing in the world, but yeah, yeah, any department uh, outside of hockey ops is pretty hard to get a visa. So basically I left kicking and screaming and came back to my hometown thinking it was just going to be a temporary thing. And then I started the Puck Talks gig, which was amazing to be able to work from home and then travel. And uh, you're from Kimberly, BC, correct? You nailed it. And I know nobody knows where that is, but (laughs) um, a lot of people have heard of Cranbrook and we're about 20 minutes from there. How far the is that from, like, say, Vancouver or Victoria? <laughs> like 10 hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I'm close. in southeast BC, so we are, like, four hours from Calgary. 
you said that you worked for the National Predators organization. Tell me all about that. That that seemed like the ultimate dream job. It was the absolute best thing I ever could have done. Um, I, yeah, I don't really know what to say about it. It was the, I started with them in the summer right after their cup run. So it was kind of this crazy unfinished business vibe that was just the most inspiring thing to be a part of. And, and it just doesn't hurt that the city is an 11 out of 10. Oh, so good. Like the people there, the whole vibe of it, like a lot of people don't realize that it, it is just a big, small town, which is just outstanding. And if people actually leave Broadway, it's one of the best cities in the entire world. But people typically go there on a stag or stagette and then they stay on Broadway the whole time. And I just want to shake you and go, no, East Nashville is so cool. That, that's the, but, yeah, I was there a couple of years ago for a, a, a party, a bachelor party. And oh, yeah, I right. honestly, I have I no idea. I have no clue how I made it out alive uh, from that. That was uh, an absolute trip. It's insane. Like, uh, it's no insane. joke. The bars are ram packed at eleven in the morning, not in the evening. Eleven in the morning. The bars on Fridays and Saturdays, insane there. Oh, not just on weekends. There were days because I would usually take my lunch break around like one o'clock. And uh, working in Bridgestone, we were right on Broadway, so I would go walk down Broadway and then sit like Stephen Glansberg on the lawn and just right across from Nissan. And just sit and hang and eat my lunch because it was just kind of away from the madness. But I was walking by all of these bars during the day and it was like, oh, my God, it's taking every single ounce of strength <laughs> to not go in there and party individually on all three floors of every bar because every bar has a separate live band. And so even so I was only on, the, on there on the weekend, even during the weekdays, it's crazy there. Oh, God, it's insane there all the time. Wow. All the time. Yeah, it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, I guess I didn't talk much about my Preds experience. I, it just, it speaks for itself. It, the, that organization, I don't have enough good things to say. Like they, it was just such, it was such a disappointing way to leave that none of us were really done with it. And it's so cool that they've made me feel like family since then. Like every time I go down to Nashville, I just seem to have an open press fest pass for Bridgestone and get to hang out with everybody and it's all the same security guards and staff and everybody is so nice and so welcoming and it is just the most special place in my heart. That's awesome. So so what exactly did you do uh, for the Predators? So I was in broadcast. So I basically did everything in the department from like shooting, editing, um, interviews, just kind of all over the, just basically the low totem pole utility player that was just like wide eyed and excited to be there. Of course. That's such a, uh, obviously I didn't go to a Preds game when I was there, but just, just walking outside of that uh, arena, it just looks amazing there. There's something different about it that I didn't realize until I moved there and spent some time with the team and really, really got to know the fan base. Cause when they went and did their huge cup run that seemed to come, kind of come out of nowhere and everybody collectively was like holy crap Smashville is unbelievable just as a culture and I fell into the trap of okay yeah the Titans haven't done well in a while and they just they're just excited and none of them actually know what offside means and then I moved down there and having conversations with people it was so, so cool and eye-opening because there are so many people that have had season tickets forever and they know the team inside and out and we could have the coolest hockey conversations. And it feels like they just kind of flew under the radar for a long time of being a really wicked fan base. Right. Well, they were always like at least 
uh, well, after the first few years, like at least a decent team that would always make the playoffs most of the time under Barry Trotz. So it wasn't like the team was just you know horrible for a decade plus where I'm sure there right. wouldn't be a lot of fans. Like They still were a competitive hockey team. Well, Bar- Barry Trotz is a big one, as you said. And then David Poyle, their GM as well. They've had the same GM their entire franchise. And if you look back at their records, it is just unbelievable to see what they've done. Like, they've been sneaky competitive for so many years that I didn't even realize. Like, the fact that he's drafting, typically pretty low because they are competitive, he's such a wizard with trades and draft. Like, I just look back at so many things that he's done. And to be competitive for so many years in a row, I just think is unbelievable. Yeah, and you say he was such a wizard at trades. Of course, the one that immediately comes to mind. I still can't believe this one. He stole Philip Forsberg from Washington from Martin gonna... Erat. But <laughs> I'm Phil... so happy you brought that up because that that's always my like, hey, you want some proof? Philip Forsberg. <laughs> oh, so happy you said that. <laughs> and and it wasn't like Philip Philip Forsberg, Forsberg was like a seventh round pick, and no one really knew the guy. Blah blah blah. He was, if I'm not mistaken, like eighth or ninth overall pick, or somewhere around there. Definitely a first rounder. So I, <laughs> Martin Nierat for Philip Forsberg. Whenever I, I always um, envision this, I talked to Craig Button uh, uh, about this when he was on the podcast uh, a few episodes ago. When you're a GM. And you know, like if Dave Poyle is like, holy crap, I'm snookering this guy so hard. I would just love to know uh, what a GM does to try to have a poker face in, in that situation. Because I'm sure he just he wanted to be like, yes, done. But you have to kind of, you know, tap the brakes a little bit on that, right? So it doesn't clue into the other guy that you're a little too eager to that to do that trade. Totally. And I would have asked that same question before. And then after meeting David Poyle, I see him as a human being and he is one of the nicest, kindest humans ever. And I'm like, oh, damn, now I kind of get it. That any conversation he has with other GMs, they're like, oh, how can I say no to you? (laughs) Uh, He's just like the most genuine, sweet dude ever. Perhaps rivaled only by Craig Button. Oh, what a beauty. Yeah, just the best day. Oh, we, he was somebody that when I was like low totem pole TSN intern, he took so much time to talk to me because he's from Calgary and I'm in the Kootenays. So we're super close. And a lot of Calgary people retreat to the Kootenays for their vacation. So he's pretty familiar with it here, if I remember correctly. And it was just so cool that he took so much time and we became pals. Oh, just love him. What a man. Yeah. I'm happy to say that, uh, I can, I, that I can brag that he's the greatest man for sure. There was a, a suit that he always would wear, a blue suit that I loved. And I, I'd always say, oh, what an amazing suit. And the director, Carrie, didn't like the suit for whatever reason. She didn't think it looked good on TV. So uh, we'd, we'd always have like a little running gag between the three of us about how like I loved it and she hated it. And a couple years amazing. later, <laughs> Button was like, hey, uh, I'm getting rid of uh, some suits or whatever. Do you want this one? And I was like, what? Yes, of course. Amazing. <laughs> and it fits like exactly perfectly. It's the weirdest thing. But uh, Craig Button, just uh, the most uh, generous and nicest man. He knows everyone's name and he's just he's just abs- oh. the absolute best. No question about it. The Cinderella slipper of suit jackets. I love it. <laughs> oh, man. I, I definitely wear that all the time whenever I, I need to use a suit <laughs> jacket. Uh, we, uh, we also mentioned or you mentioned the Puck Talks Live. Uh, tell us about that. Oh, it was, it kind of started as a bit of a one-time gig. Uh, I was in Vancouver. I remember I was drinking wine on my best friend's couch and I got this message and uh, from Puck Talks and I was like, holy crap. Okay, sweet. And it was, um, hey, we have kind of a weird situation. We're looking for somebody to host this show in Calgary. 
And I was like, yeah, without question, I'll do it. And yeah, drove to Calgary, hosted the show, and I didn't really know what I was doing. And I don't actually like doing a lot of on-air stuff, which I, I prefer production, and I don't know if a lot of people know that. So I was really nervous, and I drove to Calgary, and all of a sudden I'm sitting there like, nope, this is too much. I don't want to do this at all, and had my freak-out moment. But then when you go out there, it's just oh, okay, you're talking about hockey, and that's okay. That makes everything okay. And it just kind of, I don't know, it changed everything for me where I felt the rush of just speaking about hockey in a big crowd where everybody in the room is super into it. And my boss and I, we just connected really well, and then he kind of gave me free reign to start producing a few things, and I didn't have anything on the go because this was right when I came back from Nashville, and I didn't have a backup plan because we were really hoping to make that work long term. So did that with him and then I started producing a few shows and I just fell in love with it. And then it was nice because hosting was so nerve-wracking to me that I eventually came out of my comfort zone a bit with it and then it became more of a challenge. So I really started to warm up to it. But it was just such a cool experience. Like when we partnered with the Athletic, I was lucky enough to host and produce the Western Canadian shows and it was just such a wicked experience going in with the same format into different cities and seeing just the different cultures of sports fans in different cities. Cause I was in charge of Winnipeg West. So that covers quite a bit of ground in our country. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was just, sure. yeah, it was a wicked experience, but it all right before the coronavirus stuff all hit. My last gig with them was my Nashville one. So that was one where I went to my boss and kind of said, Hey, like, I've been doing a few of these shows and whichever, and I have this crazy idea and I'm hoping to produce and host and do this whole package deal. What do you think? Kind of expecting a like, get real. And then he gave me an instant, of course you can. And I was like, oh ah. my God, that was too much. That was too much pressure. <laughs> so that was the last one that I ended on. And that was totally my baby that I kind of did start to finish alone which was so terrifying and there's so many crazy layers to that. But that was kind of the last show that I ended on right before all of this hit. And just like what a shining moment to kind of go back to Nashville. And it felt like it tied up a little bit of a loose end with it, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Of course, yeah. But oh, just being back in that fan base and then doing what I was doing in Canada, but then for the Nashville fans, it was kind of everything coming together, which was such a cool feeling. And I think it's a natural feeling. I think if you, even when I do these podcasts, same thing, there's always a little mm -hmm. bit of uh, edge or a little bit of nervousness to it. And I think if uh, for any performer, I think if you're not nervous a little bit, something might be wrong, right? So I think having, uh, yeah, those uh, you know, a little bit of nerves in the pit in your stomach is probably a good thing. And uh, it sounds like you had a lot of good time doing that. Now, we talked before this podcast, you have a story about when you were producing the, <laughs> the Puck Talks uh, on the fly. Tell us about that. Oh, for the Nashville show? Mm, yes. Sweet Lord. I've never actually told the story because it was such a, oh God, <laughs> it was Breaking such traumatizing. news on the H-Dog pod right here. Sorry. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Well, oh my God. It was so traumatizing that I came home and I kind of just retreated into this little shell and didn't talk to anybody for about two weeks. But um, I originally, I started producing the show for October 3rd, and everything started coming together, and I had my panelists and everything, because um, a lot of the broadcast boys down there are former players. Chris Mason and Hal Gale are two of the biggest beauties in the entire <laughs> world. So as soon as I started putting this together, I thought, 
I need Mason help big time. So I go to them and start asking around. And a few of the Nashville people had seen what I was doing with Puck Dogs. And they'd heard of it. And it was pretty cool because they were like, oh, we've been dying for this to uh, come down here. And there's never been a show done outside of Canada. So I was kind of just like, yeah, screw it. Let me take on this huge, big project that I turns out I was totally unprepared for. <laughs> but... <laughs> It all started and I got everything together and I've booked the venue and I'm all excited and it's all coming together and I'm ready to announce. And then I see something um, and it's Preds, uh, Preds and Pins. And as soon as I saw that, and it was for a book for the same day. And as soon as I saw that, my heart sank because I remember being in Nashville and the big event of the year was Preds and Pins and everyone who was anyone was there. Oh, like no. I, I shot that event. So I'm kind of going around with my camera and chatting to people and I'm kind of having little moments of like, Oh, like in sports, I feel like the ability to fan boy slash girl goes away fairly quickly because you're like, Oh, they're regular people. They're just really talented at this one thing. So I feel like I don't get as starstruck in the athlete world like I used to as a kid. But, yo, but wait, (laughs) there's more. I'm standing there and I see Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC and I'm holding the camera and I'm like, if a member of NSYNC is here, oh my, what is happening? And it was like my whole world. It was like any sense of professionalism. I'm like, oh, like I melted into this fangirl of like grade four singing and sync in my room but it was just like a holy crap there are so many cool people in this room for this charity event charity event and it was so special but then when I realized that that event was on the same night it was like oh my god I called my boss and right away I said don't mean to be dramatic the entire Nashville show must be canceled and he's like okay Katie god why <laughs> I'm like and I dr- tell him about Preds and Pins so burnt it down, rebuilt it. And I said, okay, because there's kind of a specific formula that you pick a date. The team has to be there because you have a lot of the broadcast crew and, and then the, like, it needs to be on a certain night. Fans are usually busier on weekends and there's a bit of a formula to it that I've learned. So we weren't able to do it again until December. Okay. It gives me much more time. And then the Western Canadian athletic tour came up. So while I was doing the tour on the road, I was trying to put together this Nashville show and everything was great. Once again, everybody's in and everybody was being so amazing about it. And it just seems like one thing after another, it starts kind of falling apart again. And this person can't make it. And then this, and I'm, it just turns into this big issue where to a point where I'm getting on a plane and I'm freaking out and I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing or why I'm doing this. And I had to fly straight to Nashville from Vancouver on the tail end of the athletic tour. So I've got this huge suitcase and I start feeling super sick. And I'm like, there's no way this is happening. There's no way. And Vancouver for me, growing up in BC, I I'm a huge Canucks fan, and this was my first Canucks show in Vancouver, so it should have been super exciting, and it was, but I was so, so, so sick, and I'm trying to produce Nashville, and every, and then the, the site's going down, and, like, every single thing that's going wrong is going wrong, and I have to do this Vancouver show, and I was so, so sick that I had to drink three glasses of wine and take cold medicine and just get through the show as much, like, 
struggle through it. That ends and I'm like, okay, I have two days and then I have to fly to Nashville and I'm getting sicker and sicker. And I'm like, there's no way this is happening right now. I've never been this sick in my whole life. So I fly down. I'm uncomfortable getting on the plane because I'm going to infect everyone around me. And I get down there and I have three more days. So I'm like, I've got to be better by then. So I'm only getting sicker. And the morning of the show, I phoned my boss, Kevin, and I said, I don't want to be that guy. I understand that we're in this now. Like my flight's everything's paid for. We've put in all of this time and all this energy and resources into this huge show, the first one outside of Canada. And I phoned him the day of, and I said, I don't think I'm going to make it. And he's like, okay, (laughs) is there any way? And I said, listen, I don't want to be making this phone call, but I was so, so, so sick. I was getting in and out of a scalding hot bath because I'm just trying everything. I've got medication. I'm, I'm drinking wine again. I'm, I'm just like, it's not going to happen. And finally, my call time is four for the venue and it's 3.50. And I'm like, I need to get in an Uber. And I get in, I pound it on a bunch of makeup because I look like garbage, absolute <laughs> garbage. I slam a glass of wine, which was going down like absolute razor blades, get to the venue. I'm, I feel like I'm like going in and out of consciousness because I'm like, no, this is not okay. All of my panelists start arriving and I'm like, okay, yep, we're vibing. (laughs) Take a shot because it's Tennessee. That's what you do. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'm hopped up on so much cold medicine. I have a fever of 102. I'm five glasses of wine deep probably now. And we're getting everything all ready, and all of my panelists are amazing. I had all the big-time media members there, and we're all sitting having appies. And then the whole format of the show was we had a media panel for the first half. And then the second half, we had uh, Ryan Johansson, which was super sweet because he uh, – top line center A, but then B – he had just been suspended the game before. So right first, right away, I'm like, of course we add this to it because I've been advertising it with Joey in it. And I'm like, great. So he's, he's not going to be able to do the show because he's suspended, but then he was still, still doing it. So I'm like, yeah, let's go ahead with it. So he was supposed to, his call time was 8.45 and he goes on at 9. So everything was meticulously planned because I'm super type A. All of a sudden, it's 10 to 7 and... Somebody walks up and they and I'm like, Kate, we're getting ready. We've got a bit of time. And somebody goes, hey, Kate, uh, Ryan Johansson is here and he's looking for you. And I look at my watch and I look at them and I went, nope, no, nope, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. He, he is way too early. And I'm, I understand athletes. Most of my time in Nashville is spent sitting in hallways with camera equipment waiting for athletes. That ninety percent of the hurry time, hurry up and wait, just, right? That, that's, that's that's the TV way. Hurry up and wait. Totally. Uh, you know, yeah. And it's just the nature of it. They have their strict schedule, and we just kind of work around it. So when I hear that he's there, I'm like, "Oh man, okay." And I'm kind of going through everything in my head, and I'm like, uh, "Okay, we'll figure this out." So I go up, and I'm like, "Hey, Ryan, how's it going? You're a touch early there, bud." <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, I was told I had to be there at this time, and then it was just a timing miscommunication." And then he goes, okay, um, only problem is I have to be gone by 8. And I said, hmm, so bad. the show starts at 8, and then you go on at 9. And now I don't really know what to do. And he goes, well, 
I have to be gone by eight. So I'm like, okay. So I run over to, and he was so amazing to do this. I'm so grateful that he was part of the show. He's a BC boy. He's such a beauty. It was just a total timing miscommunication. But all of a sudden I'm like, holy shit, what is going on? So I go over to all of our panelists and I'm like still sick as a dog. Like, no way this is happening. And I said, okay, fellas, ladies, we have to recreate an entirely new show right now. Joey's going on right away and this and this and this and then, and this is what's going to happen. And the problem was, is Hal and Mace were at a different event that night and they were showing up late. So they were showing up right at their call time for them to be on with Joey. So, and I had all the questions planned for the media and then it was going to be the hockey boys and everything to a T was so organized. And then it was, okay, we just have to recreate everything right now. So we went on and then Joey had to sit up on the stage for the first panel with me and then other media. (laughs) And right away, I'm like, bud, you're not going to like that. Like (laughs) you want to hang with the bros. Come on. (laughs) Not that the hockey media boys are bros, but uh, we go up there and I kind of explain to everybody, like, this is totally unfiltered. It's off the record. It's not recorded anywhere. So that's the purpose of getting the kind of the fun stories and the ones that are a bit more genuine and all of a sudden, he's sitting there with a bunch of media guys, and I'm like, oh, God, we're not going to get anything out of him. So we go up there, and I drop the first F-bomb, and he looks right at me, and he's kind of like, Kate, what? And I'm like, Ryan, it's okay. We can say this. This is what we do. <laughs> Puck Talks, we're allowed to say F-words. <laughs> and then everybody in the crowd was kind of wide-eyed because it's Tennessee. And then right away, we get a big laugh, and everybody's like, oh, okay. So it lightens up. And we did the whole panel with uh, with Joey and it was so great and then he had to run and Hal and May show up and they ended up just joining the panel that was on stage and we ended up having this super panel of like 12 of us on stage and then Hal and Mace take the mics and they just go off and and I'm just sitting there like yes this is so unbelievable this is happening but it was just such a crazy it was just like okay months and months of planning and all of a sudden we're on the spot and then Helen may show up and they're like what the hell Kate and I'm like I can't even explain and we just got to go with it and that whole thing happened every we stayed and we all had drinks after and everybody had a great time and I I had five days in Nashville after that and I did not leave the couch once I was so 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 sick and I got home and I found out that I was full-blown pneumonia Oh, jeez. Like, I was sick for two and a half weeks in total. And the whole time that this was all falling apart in front of me, it was like, nope, but okay, we just got it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been so, so through something so stressful and on the spot, but it was the coolest thing ever because everybody in that room was just kind of like, hell yeah, let's just go <laughs> for it. Well, they say that, uh, speaking of Craig Button, which we talked about earlier, he's often said there's a perfection in imperfection which is kind of funny, and it sounds like that. obviously that was a situation for that, and uh, you, you gutted through that. And there's another saying that I always hear, beware the injured golfer. Oftentimes when someone's injured Ooh. or they're sick, it's like, oh, they have no chance, you know, they're, they're too hurt, they're too injured, whatever, right? But oftentimes that's when there's like lower expectations, and you're like, ah, oh, I don't know if I'll do well, and that's when you, <laughs> that's when you, do, that's when you do your best stuff. So sounds like that was a, a pretty, uh, pretty wild experience for you for sure. Oh, it was so, so, so crazy. And I got home and I'm like, okay, I'm ready for a bit of a break. And then everything kind of starts going down. And I'm like, oh, I wasn't ready for this big of a break. Not like a global quarantine break. 
of course, now that we have been quarantining, I'm sure you've been watching some uh, different reality shows that we do love. Uh, we would, I would be remiss to not discuss those. Uh, too Hot to Handle. I watched that on Netflix. Uh, it took me like two days, eight episodes, like 40, that 45 long? minutes. It, well, I mean, it's 40, 45 minutes. <laughs> I, I want to break it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming you've watched. Uh, what do you think about it? Hound Dog. You know I've watched it. You know know. I've watched every trashy TV series by now. I'm solo quarantined. Exactly. Good segue by me, by the way, on that one. I'm pretty uh, pretty, uh, Uh, pretty, proud of that Pretty good. You know what? Houndy, I've heard worse. (laughs) Um, I'm so happy that the biggest controversial individual on that show was from British Columbia. Hell yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, like, if you guys have not seen this show yet... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, watch it and then come back to this podcast. We're going to talk about it for a while. <laughs> yes, from BC, Francesca. Francesca. Wow, I loved her. Oh. I, I, I honestly... I'd, I loved I, it. I hoped she every single time would screw people over. Uh, the last time they had a, her and her boyfriend... What's his name? Harry? Uh, didn't or they're like don't touch each other for 24 hours and you'll you'll win like 35 grand back or something like that i hope to hell they did touch each other because that would have been so funny everyone would have been so mad it would have been great but sadly they they follow the rules sad what a beautiful concept for just a shady tv show i Mm -hmm. love it i love it and i'm watching it all unfold and it's like what a masterpiece of trash but like, because it's just, it's so interesting. It's it's a lot of just the human experience put in, onto an island. <laughs> so for those who haven't watched the show, it's um, uh, obviously unlike most reality shows where they're all making out and maybe having sex and all these different things right away. This show and- is there's if you make out or have any sexual touching or any of that stuff, you lose money. The, they could have won a hundred grand at the start of the of the season. So if you do uh, a kiss, uh, would cost them three grand. Going, you know, going all the way, I think cost them what was it, like fifteen or something grand. So it was actually kind of interesting because it made them try to uh, establish real connections with people as opposed to just immediately banging and then oh wait a minute maybe we're not compatible. It was uh, quite fascinating. I thought I thought it was great. I feel like your terminology just took me on a huge journey where you started with like, oh, sexual chemistry, and it was really scientific, and then you go, yeah, and then when they're banging, I just, <laughs> I love the progression I just saw in you, Houndy. It was really inspiring. Wow. Well, I, I, I aim to inspire. I'm going to throw you a, a couple names of people. I'm, I'm, I, I will pat myself on the back on this one. I feel I'm pretty good at uh, seeing a character on a TV show and then giving their like celebrity counterpart type thing. So I'm, I'm going to name like five different ones here for, I think it's five. Wow, I'm so ready for this. And I, I see. Uh, yes, it's five. Uh, I want to see if you agree or disagree with me on this one. Okay, first one. David from the UK. Frodo from uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, I feel that big Elijah time. Elijah Wood. Elijah okay. Wood. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, we talked about Francesca. Francesca Kelly from The Bachelor this last season with Peter. Oh, not even a tiny bit. Ooh, interesting. Okay, well, I was was one for one on that one. Maybe not after that. Okay, third one. I just oh, go ahead. So, sorry. Can I can I back it up a bit? I of feel course. like looks wise, I can see it, but Kelly can hang, and I know that. And I see that she has no time for no drama, for no BS. And Francesca <laughs> loved that. I, I, I guess I, uh, just looks is what I'm saying. Not not actual personality. Just a uh, oh. just in their looks department. Looks department. I can see. Okay, I'm just I. I feel this two weird sort of protection over Kelly where I'm like, how dare you? But looks wise, I can totally see it. Uh, Matt, the guy they, they they called Jesus on that show. Colin Kaepernick, former NFL quarterback. Ooh, 
Okay, let me. I'm I'm pulling it up on my laptop as we speak. So just I need to see it. Yeah, I hit like the. the and the, for the, the listeners, this is the time for you right now, um, to do the same thing. Mm. Too hot. Too hot. So yeah, Matt was a. He always had a wide, wise words for everyone, and was a very likable guy from all accounts. And uh, <gasps> whoa. Uh, Okay, I I think he is if Jesus and Colin Kaepernick had a baby. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Because I, it's not full cap. Because I right. see too much Jesus to say that. Sure. But I see too much cap to say full Jesus. So I'm gonna go fifty fifty on Jesus and cap. Okay, so I'm like two and a half out of three uh, on this one. It sounds like. Mm. Uh, okay, I, I honestly I think this might be my, these last two might be my favorite two. So I'm, I'd be very upset if you said no. Uh, Corey, he came in really, really late, and he was just like t- the type of guy is like, oh, I'm just, I just want to sleep with women. Do you remember that guy? <laughs> sure uh, do. <laughs> Corey Patrick Mahomes. Oh, um, I was so distracted by the fact that he looked like Patrick Mahomes that I had a hard time on focusing on anything other than that. <laughs> and I have texted about three people saying I'm too distracted because I keep having to tell myself this isn't Patrick Mahomes. Imagine if it was though. The Super Bowl winning right. quarterback just goes right? on too hot to handle. That'd be so, but, he, but he called himself Corey, so no one. So Andy Reid, Coach Andy Reid, didn't know he was on a reality show. That'd be amazing. We're on to you, Patty. Patty Junior. We oh, we're man. on to you. Oh man, it'd be so funny. And, I'm and, okay. I'm so happy you brought that up because it was jarring to me. Mm-hmm. Like it was a distraction to a point where I lost touch of <laughs> the in- intellectual conversation they were having because I'm like, Patty, what you doing, baby? <laughs> Patrick Holmes, what a butron for sure. And the last one, uh, Bryce came in a little bit uh, after some of the, the other people. Like we said at the show, that they, they try to make pe- these people sort of grow as individuals. Initially, Bryce is like, oh, I just have sex every single night with different women. <laughs> but then towards the end, he's like, you know what? Like, I don't know if he actually will or not, but it did seem like he was going to grow from that experience. I'm going to say Bryce looked like former PGA Tour golfer Chris DeMarco, who lost a couple of majors in playoffs. Huh. Okay. Big time. Christopher okay, Michael. Michael. Michael, okay. See, Bryce for me was somebody that there's someone that he reminds me of and I can't put it together who it was. And I'm still bothered. And, and maybe it is. I don't know. I'm looking at Google Images right now and I still can't find it. It's some sort of athlete, I think. But it's got to be some huge douchebag. Because Bryce has given me some pretty, pretty big douchebag vibes, like mm. more than the rest of the cast, which is outstanding. DeMarco certainly wasn't a douchebag. Yeah, he seemed like, from all accounts, a, a nice golfer. But I'm so thrilled that it wasn't a nice person. He's a nice golfer. <laughs> if he was a bad person, would you be like, he's a mean golfer? <laughs> I always forget how big into golf you are. So I actually live in a big-time golf destination. Shame on you. Ugh, and I don't golf. Hound dog, doesn't that make it worse? Yeah, that's why I was shaming on you for sure. Man, I'm glad I'm shaming you. Hey, 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 hey. I'm actually, I'm going to pump your brakes right there (laughs) because I do spend a lot of time on golf courses. I just drive the cart and I drink beer. Uh, Oh, wait, can I tell you one weird flex about a golfer? Of course. Do you remember Jared Dutois? He was the kid that went off. um, Yeah, he led the Canadian uh, Open uh, three years ago after 54 holes, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So do you want to know a fun fact about that? I used to babysit. I'm, g- I'm sorry, I'm going to use a swear word, and you're going to have to bleep it out. I used to babysit that little farmer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, really? Eh? Wow, that's- Isn't that so? We're, he's actually from old. Kimberly in my little town, too. Wow. And he's quarantined here right now, but I ran into him <laughs> at the bar at Christmas, and he's like, Caldwell, what's up? And I'm like, 
you, <laughs> you, you were the moment where I watched you on TV and I'm like, oh, cool, 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 cool. All right. No doubt. No, no, no. Cool, 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 cool. The kid that I babysat is killing it on TV and I'm sitting here at 1 p.m. in sweatpants on my second glass of wine. Bless. Can confirm registered beautician and he can hang and he's really fun. Uh, speaking of people who may perhaps not be good at uh, hanging and being fun, Bachelor, listen to your heart. Uh, the whole controversy with uh, Brandon, Julia, and Savannah. What are your thoughts on that? I feel of all the things going on in that show, that's the one that's the most uh, kind of uh, the best storyline. Okay, Brandon, Julia, and Savannah. I'm trying to think. Oh, I'm getting that mixed up with the Sheridan, Brandon situation. What's the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sheridan's also part. So Sheridan yeah, is yeah, kind of yeah. dating Julia, but, but Br- Julia clearly likes Brandon more. And Brandon's with Savannah. And Savannah's like to Julia, like, oh, you're so fake. Like, I can't believe what all you're saying, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and right, 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 and right, right. And then right. Julia's like, oh, I don't actually like him anymore, which is like, obviously you like him, which is very similar to the Love, and, uh, Love is Blind. Uh, I, I I forget names. Uh, Love is Blind. I watched that show. I wasn't overly impressed, but there was another situation with that. Uh, what was her name? She Sweet was Lord. Like I've Oh, Jessica. Yes, mid-30s, yeah. And, and she loved uh, 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 the guy who went by his last name, Barnett. She loved Barnett, and yet she was like, oh, I so, don't care about him at all. Yes, yeah, of course you do. Mark is the Sher- Mark and Sheridan are the same dude, where there's the one gal that's kind of got her eyes multiple places. And I feel like sh- Mark, that was the one that got kind of screwed over by Jessica and Love's Blind. That's the Sheridan. Sheridan is the Mark of Listen to Your Heart. That's good, yeah. And the when I watch Sheridan, the amount of times I've been like, Girl, I feel ya. Every time I've been friend zoned, I'm, and you don't even realize it's happening. I'm like, oh, they're not into it. It's so mm-hmm. obvious. And I'm watching them, and I'm like, oh, I've been shared in so many times. <laughs> yeah, you, that you feel poor for the fella. Guy. Yeah, because he obviously really, really likes Julia, but you can just tell she's always the. He's always the, you know, the backup plan for her. Which is again, even though last episode she tried convincing everyone, oh no, 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 like I love Sheridan. I don't really care about this guy, Brandon anymore. Yes. Yes, you do. You know, I guess Savannah saw through that, so she ripped her. It's funny because uh, initially I'm like, oh, Savannah for sure is going to be the villain. Everyone's going to hate this girl. Yeah. But for the most part, of course, now there's some drama with her, but for the most part, it seems like most people actually like her, which is kind of a surprise. Yeah, that whole show was kind of interesting to me. I, I actually don't – the execution, I'm not completely sold on it because it's reality television, and reality television is just – Beautiful trash, and I love it. But but I find that the concept of it, because like when I've been to concerts and I see people on stage, there is a really distinct chemistry, even if you're not together. But I've always wondered that when I watch concerts and people are singing at each other or with each other, and they're in separate relationships, I'm like, oh, girl, I would be threatened by this. Mm. Watching them on stage and seeing the chemistry, it's like, oh, I would be insecure with this. So I think it is kind of an interesting premise because there is something to that with being on stage and performing together. Like I have a – a lot of people don't know this, but I uh, danced my whole life and I have a big musical theater background and I basically grew up on the stage. Oh, wow. Cool. So I, I kind of understand like chemistry with people and working with people and it's something that's really, really special. And when I saw that show, I was like, okay, cool. What a great idea. And then I started watching it. I'm like, yeah, this is the Bachelor trash I'm here for still. Yes. But yeah. I think it's, it's actually been pretty good. Like, and this is going to stun people who uh, are listening to this because they all know that I basically don't ever listen to music or very, very rarely anyway. Uh, what? Yeah. I'm, yeah. 
exactly right. Uh, Goodness me. I actually, it's actually great to me because I'm musically and artistically horrifically challenged. I have, I don't care about them more. I'm brutal <laughs> at them. But I actually kind of love The Bachelor. This feels more organic and real to me. And I love the, 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 them singing. I think they're really, really talented. I think it's really kind of neat. It is kind of a cool collaboration because all of these maniacs looking for love, you watch them sing and you're like, oh, you're amazing. You know, actually, I really find cool from that show because uh, they start off really, really, really quite rocky. Uh, is Rudy, yeah. Rudy, and I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, you know, the guy with the beard. But Rudy, Matt. Uh, she, she, yeah, Matt, Rudy is really, really talented. It's like, at least to me, I, again, I, I don't know anything about music, so maybe I'm wrong. But it seems to me like she's really, really good at singing. And it's like, that's kind of neat. I like that. I like seeing a different side of people. Totally. I, I'm growing as a human being or something, apparently. I don't know. Maybe Michael not. Harrison, I'm so proud of you for how much you've grown, even during the time of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> trying to uh, better myself or something like that. I don't know. I have no idea, but. <laughs> Uh, uh, Katie, uh, really uh, happy that you were on the podcast here, and I hope now the weather is finally starting to get a little bit better here uh, in uh, Kimberly, you were able to go out and play some more bocce ball. Oh, I'm so happy slash sad you brought that up, because we <laughs> do host the Canadian Bocce Championships, bocce if ball? you listen to me on the pod. Houndy, I will fight you. I understand this is a global <laughs> pandemic, and we need to be leading with compassion right now, but this is really close to my heart. And I will F you up if you mm. say bocce ball one more time. When you've competed in the Canadian bocce championships 10 years in a row, Houndy, mm-hmm. maybe you can get fired up about it too. But until then, you can't. So call it bocce. <laughs> Don't be a sociopath and call it bocce ball anymore, please. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, again, I'm, try- <laughs> I'm saying I'm trying to grow. I'm not fully there, but I'm trying to uh, – I'm attempting to go and grow and not be a sociopath. So, uh, And I'm just here to aid your life growth. But <laughs> bocce ball is <laughs> – I'm, Ooh, I'm on uh, No, Bocce is out of the question because July Fest will probably be canceled. It hasn't officially been yet, but we're expecting it. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty lucky here because we, like, like I said, our closest city is three and a half hours away. We're totally tucked in the mountains and I'm in a town of 7,000 people and I live at the base of a ski hill. So basically I'm like right in the forest and then I've got the hill to hike and we're right in the Kootenays and it's so nice to be getting outside so much and I have my dog. So I living in solo quarantine because I'm immunocompromised. I don't really have a lot of options to be quarantining with people or like I can't go to stores. It's been, so it has its challenges that way. And just like the general isolation of being by yourself for a lot of days in a row, I struggle with mental illness. So I have to be very, aware of that and just kind of keep it in check all the time but yeah it's been so great I've been outside so much ride my bike and Carl hangs out with me and we're, we're outside so much that it sometimes you almost forget right uh yeah may I request con- Carl to be the next podcast uh, guest Ugh. he will not shut up you'll have a three-hour podcast <laughs> mm, and is- none of it is interesting uh, don't don't speak ill of Carl. I feel he's a butron. He is. He is. He's the only thing keeping me together right now. We've never spent this much time together. It's so funny because I've I've always packed so much on my plate and been a total hustler, whichever. And this has completely changed all of that, as I'm sure it has for many many people. But. Yeah, I've never had just so much time with just my golden retriever and I, and it's good and bad. Like I, my only responsibility because I lost my job completely is to keep him and myself alive. That's my only responsibility. 
like I have obligations of checking in with friends and family and paying bills and stuff. So my only actual life responsibility is keeping Carl and I alive. So other than that, it's just been the wild, wild west in our condo. <laughs> Sometimes it's a Monday morning and it's 11 a.m. We're like, well, I guess we should have a white claw. And I'm like, it's just, there's just no rules anymore. There's no concept of time. It's just the two of us hanging and it is kind of okay. Houndy, can I ask you a question? Of course. Go for it. Okay. You, you've been asking all the questions and it's time to learn about you. <laughs> Um, uh, we talk, we text all the time the viewers don't know this, but we were talking about this over text, um, just kind of burning over the NFL draft and everything. Can you tell me about your thoughts with the Seahawks and how they drafted? Because I'm kind of curious about your thoughts with that, especially with closer to the beginning of the draft. <laughs> yeah. Uh, perhaps I'm assuming you saw me on uh, Instagram live, uh, last week. I've been, I've been doing a skull dog, uh, every Friday at like 7 or 8 p.m. Eastern time with him. Oh, I didn't see that. I think that was – I was doing something on air for the draft that Mm, night, so I didn't see any other content. I appreciate you uh, not seeing that. Um, Get real. You didn't even tell me about it. And I have my own (laughs) supper going on. You didn't tune into mine either. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, It it did seem really weird, especially them drafting a linebacker in the first round. I I didn't quite get it. But I do love the fact they went defense the first two picks – because that's the thing with the Seattle last year, they had no business almost making it to the NFC title game. I love the team, of course. I've watched them forever. But they, they, Russell Wilson's incredible. Without Russell Wilson, they were a four-win at best team. And the defense was really, really bad. So I love the fact they went uh, linebacker with their first pick, defensive end, which I desperately needed with their second pick. But it did seem weird. Like, what? A linebacker? You have three pretty good ones. But, yeah. But uh, it looks like uh, we learned like two days later, K.J. Wright... Uh, has like shoulder surgery in the off season. He's like 31 or something like that. So he's he's kind of slowing down a little bit. So it might actually make sense. But uh, I love the fact that like okay, we need to shore up the defense. That used to be the hallmark of the team, you know. And it gets get some blockers in front of Russell Wilson. And uh, it's one of those deals though. Whenever I see draft grades being being thrown out by analysts, no one knows. No one has no any clue. No. I remember Russell Wilson's draft year. Their first round pick was Bruce Irvin, a defensive end slash linebacker, who everyone was like, oh, he was way picked way too early. And he, I, he was a pretty damn good player for them. The second round was Bobby Wagner. Everyone's like, oh, this linebacker is not that, not that great. He might actually be going to the <laughs> Hall of Fame. Then the third round was Russell yeah. Wilson. Why'd you draft Russell Wilson? You just, you just signed Matt Flynn. Well, Russell Wilson's a pretty damn good quarterback. So nobody knows these draft grades after the, after the draft at all. So. I'm actually quite happy. Well, and you were talking about Russell last season. Up until about like two thirds, three quarters of the way through the season, Russell was so far ahead in MVP talk that it wasn't even funny. Yeah, he was. He was like a shoe in for MVP. It was. It was basically him or Lamar Jackson. And for a while, Mm -hmm. I would say it was close. Uh, Yeah, you're right. Russell was probably a little bit ahead of him. Unfortunately, he wasn't as good the last month and a half. But uh, oh my god, honestly, without him, man, that team seriously would be. A disaster. So I, I, I like the fact they went defense uh, with the draft for sure. Cool. Interesting. Okay. I like that. Hmm. Uh, well, I think uh, we shall end that on. We could literally be talking for another six hours. Uh, <laughs> but I guess at some point we should probably end this podcast. So uh, thank you so much, Katie, for being on. And uh, you, without question, obviously, will be a recurring guest on this podcast. <gasps> Houndy, that means the whole world. That was a lot of fun talking to Kate Caldwell about her time with the Nashville Predators and Puck Talks Live. Unbelievable job by her to produce that show on the fly. Seemed like it uh, worked out pretty well. And, of course, uh, cannot uh, say enough about how great it was to discuss reality uh, shows with her. 
I love some of the, those trashy dating reality shows. They're so, so entertaining, especially Too Hot to Handle. Way, way, way better, in my opinion, than Love is Blind, which was what the episodes were too long. It was over an hour. It just it, it, The whole concept of the show after two episodes where they were talking to each other and they hadn't, didn't actually get to see each other. So it was like a, kind of a cool concept. They were actually making real connections just by talking to each other. Then within two episodes, that was all over and they all saw each other. I didn't think that was as good Love is Blind, but too hot to handle. Really, really funny. And it was really great to see some personal growth from some people because they weren't able to just immediately dive into uh, having some fun with each other. So really enjoy that show without question, along with Bachelor, Listen to Your Heart. Thank you for listening to episode 20 of the H-Dog Pod. Bang. This has been the H-Dog Pod with host Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Mm, bang. Mm, bang.